0: We're the Denver Broncos cheerleaders and you're listening to Sports Crunch with D-Crom. Are. This is Sports Crutch with D-Crom. I'm your host, David Cromwell. Well, it is hard to believe, but NFL training camps are winding down and all 32 teams are preparing to take the field for three preseason games after the craziest offseason in modern NFL history. In addition, there have been, as usual, many intriguing storylines trickling out of training camps. And joining us to discuss all that buzz is my right-hand man, Hal Bent of Full Press Coverage. Hal, it is the highest honor and greatest pleasure to be with you for another exciting season of NFL football. How are you, my man?
1: I am doing great, David. I can't even count how many years we've been doing this now that I try <laughs> to think about it. I just remember Von Miller wrecking Tom Brady, and you know, I was still mourning on the air. So uh it I It's my definite honor to be back here with you, David. I'm looking forward to a great 2020 and a 2022 NFL season because last year was amazing. And I, after this off season, Holy cow, I can't wait to see what happens.
0: Oh, I feel you, my man. This season is going to be one for the memory books. I completely agree. And as training camps begun a few weeks ago, The big elephant in the room when it comes to the NFL was potential discipline for Browns quarterback, Deshaun Watson. And early last week, Judge Sue Robinson, the arbitrator jointly appointed by the NFL and NFLPA, determined that Watson did violate the league's personal conduct policy and engaged in gross sexual misconduct with countless women, yet believed that only a six-game suspension was warranted based on prior precedent. A few days later, however, the NFL decided to appeal the decision when it comes to the current CBA. Roger Goodell still maintains exceptional powers when a disciplinary case gets this far. For the record, I strongly, I mean strongly, disagree with Judge Robinson's determination and believe, as the league does, that Deshaun Watson deserves a season-long suspension, if not longer. However, this appeal doesn't come without enormous risk. If you thought the fight over Gate was ugly, this promises to make that sorry episode look tame by comparison and further expose a disciplinary process that is rigged against the players. So my question is, did the NFL do the right thing by appealing Judge Robinson's decision?
1: Well, yes. I mean, they were, as long as Robinson gave any kind of suspension short of indefinite, I think the NFL was going to appeal that without a doubt just because as you said they have that power and goodell is going to make sure that the punishment fits whatever he wants it so the nfl's only risk was uh, robinson saying no suspension at all no suspension nothing to appeal Um, that would have been final but as soon as there was some kind of suspension the nfl was in the driver's chair yes i agree six games seems way too short um of a suspension it seems to uh you know mitigate the actions that they found uh that watson had done and yes i agree at least a year indefinite in a year uh very interesting and you know with that uh, appeal expected to take place very soon um you know a matter of 24 to 48 hours from now we could be hearing about that at the earliest, I think what we're really going to to see that's going to be interesting is how the NFL terms it because the original suspension was games and now they can talk about you know, are we doing it for a year is he going to miss half of training camp next year um depending on what that suspension is and how that would affect the browns so very interesting but yeah the nfl they had to as soon as that decision was less than half a season half a season i think they could have said well okay but once it was less than eight games uh they had to appeal it and i think we're going to see at least um you know uh watson other than the thursday night preseason game we may not see him for a while
0: Oh, I absolutely agree, Hal. The NFL has got to show that it takes these allegations that these women have made as seriously as they should. Uh, they owe it to all female fans of the NFL and all women who work in the NFL uh, to uh, come down hard on Deshaun Watson, at least much harder than uh, Judge Robinson did. But the NFLPA is going to have a counter-argument at these appeal hearings, and they're probably going to accuse the NFL of having a double standard for players and owners, like why is the NFL loading on Deshaun Watson but not disciplining Daniel Snyder? I think that's a more than a fair point, and I think the NFL uh, should listen to that and uh, and come up with some discipline for Daniel Snyder to uh, make themselves look very good here. Don't you think so?
1: I couldn't agree more. Uh, you know, Daniel Snyder, how they've managed to protect him, keep him in power that sham, you know, keeping him away from the team baloney. I mean, it's just an embarrassment. Uh, the union, definitely, there is a double standard. They're going to bring that up and the NFL is going to go, yeah, well, you know, sorry, we make the rules, you know, we're going to do whatever we want. It's reprehensible, certainly. Um, look at the tampering situation and tanking in Miami. I mean, again, another situation where I mean, all right, the team loses a first round pick, but beyond that slap for the wrist for the owner. I mean, if that it's, you know, just incomprehensible um, until you realize, hey, you know, who's paying the commissioner's salary? It's the owner's. So what motivation does he have to turn on his bosses? And, you know, he's got 32 bosses that he's got to keep happy to keep his job. Kind of tough for him to turn around and punish them uh, the same way that he has, uh, where he has complete control over all the players, and they unfortunately negotiated away, um, you know, a tr- true appeals process um, in that last collective bargaining agreement.
0: Yeah, the NFL cleverly made it seem like uh, they gave up Goodell's uh, immense disciplinary powers, when in reality, they did not. And uh, that is on the NFLPA, I would agree, there. And now, on to the Green Bay Packers, where, as you know, Aaron Rodgers decided to return there, but his right-hand man for the past several seasons, Devontae Adams, did not, as he made his long-desired reunion with Derek Carr come to fruition. And because of that, the Packers entered training camp with one of the thinnest and most unproven wide receiver groups in the entire National Football League. I was wondering if anybody would step up. And thankfully for the Pack, one rookie has done just that. But it's not second-round pick Christian Watson. It's fourth-round pick Romeo Dobbs out of Nevada. Every day at camp, he just makes a big play or two. While it may be too much to ask him to be Aaron Rodgers' go-to guy right out of the gate, If Romeo Dobbs makes plays on the playing field these next three weeks, can you see him eventually becoming the Packers wide receiver one at some point this season?
1: Yeah. I mean, the competition is not tough there. Um, You know, we're we're looking at Alan Lazard, Cobb in the slot. I mean, Sammy Watkins, who, yeah, I think most people forgot was in the league. Um, You know, Christian Watson's still recovering from knee surgery. Amari Rogers is basically a a slot only guy and, you know, you're really looking at him and Jawan Winfrey as the, as the, you know, the big two out there um, for green Bay and, definitely I mean you don't want to go into the season saying you know my number one receiver is this fourth round pick but heck we've seen it plenty of times it doesn't matter where you get drafted if you get drafted in the NFL it's what you do once you step between those lines and nothing else matters and you know Romeo is taking advantage of a great situation that he landed in in Green Bay with a Hall of Fame quarterback arguably one of the greatest ever to play the position, uh, throwing him the ball. I take advantage of it so far so great. And I don't see any reason why he can't keep growing in this role.
0: Neither do I. It's going to be very exciting to see what he brings to the Packers offense this season, because the Packers are going to need whatever help they can get in that passing game with Devontae Adams now in Vegas and on to the Packers chief rivals, the Chicago Bears. And yesterday, Their star linebacker, Roquan Smith, clearly the best player on a talent-poor roster, announced that he has officially requested to be traded. Roquan Smith added that although he loves the city of Chicago and the Bears organization, he doesn't feel valued by the new front office and accused them of not negotiating in good faith and constantly trying to force him to take a bad deal. And in response to that yesterday, General Manager Ryan Poles scheduled an immediate press conference in which he said, quote, we have to do what's best for the team, but my intention is to sign Roquan Smith. That doesn't sound like a GM who is confident that a deal can be made. When you say we intend to sign this guy, the literal translation is trade offers aren't rich enough for us right now. And several on Twitter mention a hypothetical trade with the Steelers in which the Bears sent Roquan Smith and their 2023 fifth round pick to Pittsburgh for Chase Claypool, a 2023 second round pick, and a 2023 fourth round pick. If the Steelers offer anything remotely close to such a package, would you accept that offer if you're Ryan Poles?
1: No, I I think they're in a situation where they tried to lowball their best defensive player. Um, they, I mean, the contract that leaked out that I saw from Ian Rappaport was backloaded, uh, you know wouldn't even put him near the highest paid at his position, de-escalators that were in there. I mean, it wouldn't have hurt just him with that horrible contract that the Bears tried to lowball him with, but, you know, all the other linebackers that are going to be signing and getting paid in the next couple of years. So for Roquan Smith, he's on his fifth-year option. You know, he doesn't really have any way to, you know, any power in the negotiation other than saying, Hey, I'm not going to play, find me or, uh, you know, request the trade. And, you know, I mean, there were points at this off season where we thought, you know, Kyler Murray was a goner that, you know, uh, some of these players drawing that line. And I think we finally seeing some, you know, a little swing towards the players in the negotiations uh, you know, being able to negotiate a good offer with the, get a, fair value from the team. And Roquan Smith, the Bears are trying it the old way. I think they're going to realize, you know, hey, uh, we've got to put a real offer out here. And then all of a sudden, we'll see just like we have with so many other players, a fair offer for him. That's good for him. Um, you know, for the team in two years, it's going to look like a deal anyways, uh, with the way the salary cap keeps increasing. So sign him. Everybody will smile, shake hands, and we'll go back to business as usual. i That's my prediction on eventually he's going to get his money, get his fair market deal from Chicago and stay with the Bears.
0: Yes. And do you think it's far more important for Ryan Poles, who is a first year GM, to be able to keep Roquan Smith than to trade him for his long term job security? Oh, definitely.
1: I mean, the, the first thing that you're doing is getting rid of one of your best players on the team is not a good look for any general manager and it, you know, is going to turn that fan base against you and no owner wants their fan base against their new general manager unless you can start winning some uh, playoff games very soon, which doesn't look very likely this year for the Bears.
0: Definitely not the Bears are a candidate to have that number one overall pick in the 2023 NFL draft. And now, on to your favorite team, the New England Patriots, where in Foxboro, there is some fascinating, maybe weird stuff going on right now. In the first year of the second post Josh McDaniels era, the Pats seem to be moving to a zone blocking system after two plus decades of a successfully proven gap heavy run blocking system. And Mac Jones seems so confused by this change that even the Patriots website described him as quote out of sync and sometimes uncomfortable. This seems so unlike Bill Belichick, who is known for not imposing a certain scheme that doesn't fit the players. He has help us make some sense here and give us some more context as to what's really going on in Foxborough right now.
1: Oh my God, my David, I I'm, I I have to take myself off of social media. I, I'm just starting to lose it a little bit reading these breathless reports coming out of training camp. You know, apparently the Bears should be moving aside um because the Patriots are gonna end up with the number one pick because they're not <laughs> capable of winning a game. You know, Bill Belichick, throw your eight <laughs> Super Bowl rings in the ocean here in New England, those mean nothing anymore. Okay. Um Oh my God. You know, it's, it's just overreaction. It just goes to show, you know, the power of the NFL right now, uh, ruling television, ruling sports. I I was reading the other day that the rain delay of the hall of fame game, the most worthless of all the worthless preseason games was the number one show on TV that night. So, I mean, the eyeballs that the NFL brings always going to make it under the microscope. So, Bill Belichick basically moving away with Josh McDaniels and that system that was built for and around Tom Brady for almost 20 years. Um, you know, everything in the NFL has to evolve. And Bill Belichick, since 2013, has been pretty much planning for life after Tom Brady. I don't think anybody expected that, you know, not only would in 2022, he'd still be in the league at 45 years old, other than Brady himself, um, but also, you know, one of the best players in the league at his position. I mean, this just doesn't happen in sports. So um, Belichick's been planning for this. Belichick's looking at this situation as he always does. And he looks at it and says, you know, I can go with what's worked so far or uh, you know where this offense is turning over, where the coaching staff is turning over, where there's an opportunity to make changes. I can look at it from the Bill Belichick angle. And what Bill Belichick does is looks at what do I, when I'm planning my defense, what do I hate to play against? What do I hate to see? And it's this, you know, Mike Shanahan offense, which has been giving him fits since he's been in the NFL as a defensive coordinator that's been brought to a new level by, um, you know, the Rams and, you know,
0: 49ers their coaching.
1: 49ers every you know you're seeing the evolution of it everywhere there's a hot new coach that's taking it uh, that somehow has some connection to a Shanahan or a McVay and you know there's a new iteration of it and I think Belichick's at the point where he's saying you know if I don't want to play that offense why is my offense something else my offense should be the one that's putting pressure on these opposing defenses that are a pain in the rear to try to um you know stop the running game that are move fast they're not plotting and taking their time getting to the line of scrimmage and attacking the same area of the field over and over again and you know i think it's as strange as it is for you know to see coming from a 70 year old head coach but you know he's evolving with the game and you know because it's boston people don't stand up and applaud Uh, Instead, they grabbed the nearest tomato to throw at him. So I think the Patriots are on the right track. I think they should have done done this two years ago. And I think Belichick deferred to McDaniels because uh, maybe McDaniels wasn't comfortable with doing something different. But as soon as Brady left the building, yeah, that offense should have been out the window. And we saw the last two years, um, you know, we saw at the end of the season last year, uh, they couldn't score. Buffalo put him through the ringer in the playoffs. You saw the mess it was with Cam Newton the year before. So Belichick's finally saying, you know what? It's time to evolve. My defense has evolved over the last 20 years. It's time for the offense to catch up. And eh, it's growing pains, you know? Yeah. Talk to me in week two. I'll, I'll start making a judgment at that point. But because it's the NFL, we gotta make a snap judgment here in August before any training <laughs> camp games or joint practices have happened. So that's uh, just the NFL.
0: Oh man, your sarcasm is the most beautiful thing ever, Hal. And uh, I agree. The Patriots are going through some going pains right now, learning a, a new offense. But if there is any coach in the NFL... That has earned the benefit of the doubt time after time after time after time. It is Bill Belichick. Nobody in America should be underestimating Bill Belichick and the Patriots this year. I am not saying they win the Super Bowl. I'm not saying they make a deep playoff run, but they are going to be better than many of you are thinking they're going to be this year right now. Take that to the bank. It is Bill Belichick. Do not sell him short ever, ever, ever again. And now on to the defending Super Bowl champion, Los Angeles Rams, where Matthew Stafford underwent an elbow procedure in the offseason. And as a result, he is dealing with something called bad tendinitis or throwers elbow. And this condition is forcing the Rams to put him on notoriously strict pitch counts in practice that backup quarterback John Wolford is getting most, if not all, the first team reps at times. And moreover, Sean McVay described the pain of this condition as, quote, a little bit abnormal for a quarterback. And while the Rams aren't showing too much concern on the outside, this strikes me as something that will be an issue all season long. How concerned are you about Matthew Stafford's cell throughout the course of this year?
1: Oh, I mean, I'm worried about it. Clearly, I mean elbows. That's scary to begin with. Any anything related to the elbow, to the shoulder, to the hand, for a quarterback. That that's just a huge, huge deal. Um, we know as much as the NFL does to try to protect the quarterbacks from those hits, to try to you know uh, keep their marquee players upright. Uh, He's still going to get hits. He's still going to be in situations where, uh, you know, he's not going to have his feet set. He's going to try to make that, you know, Matthew Stafford gutted out throw that he has made so many times before. But when your elbows not right, and then you start, you know, um, making adjustments because of this abnormal for a quarterback situation, that's when other things happen and you know the elbow pain leads to a shoulder problem leads to a wrist problem um it's i mean yeah they should be scared they should be doing everything they can to limit him as much as possible uh, because it's elbow and a quarterback that's a serious deal and i'd be very worried you know all the extra throws that he made in the deep playoff run he never did that in detroit putting a little extra pressure on that elbow so uh yeah it's going to be a tough season for him uh and they've really got to limit that uh matthew stafford snap count and keep that managed as much as they
0: can yep some ominous signs coming out of rams camp regarding their franchise quarterback and speaking of quarterbacks arguably the most watched training camp battle from a nationwide perspective is the Steelers quarterback job. And as of right now, as Ian Rappaport reported today, Mitchell Trubisky, yes, Mitchell Trubisky is very likely going to start in the regular season opener against the Bengals. And as of right now, Kenny Pickett is playing with the third string offense and some on the Steelers beat believe that Mason Rudolph has been the most accurate of the three quarterbacks. If Kenny Pickett is unable to leapfrog Mason Rudolph for that backup quarterback job in the preseason, How alarmed should the Steelers be, especially considering that they spent a first round pick on Kenny Pickett this spring?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I thought, I think we both agreed. Pickett was a little bit of a surprise where he was taken. Um, Might've been a little bit of a panic overdraft, you know, for the Steelers, I think they've got to look at Pickett and say, you know, 2023 at the earliest, we're not going to, you know, rush him out there unless we're, you know, five and 11 going into the last week of the season or something Um, and we'll give them a a meaningless game or something like that. Uh, Pickett's got to be 2023. I I'm just still amazed that, you know, the Steelers are sitting here in August, you know, trying to choose between Mitch Trubisky and Mason Rudolph. I just never thought it would get to this. And, you know, all I can think of is uh, are they playing the long game for Jimmy Garoppolo and saying, Hey, you know, see, <laughs> 49ers, you're going to have to release them before the season. Uh, nobody's making room for his contract right now, unless there's a devastating injury and they're just rolling the dice and then going to say, Oh yeah, we got Garoppolo. Here we go. Let's roll. It's just inconceivable to me, but as far as pick I mean, Since the minute they drafted him, I never thought he'd be ready to go in 2022. I thought he was a draft pick for the future, starting in 2023.
0: That is a more than fair perspective, Hal, and I will keep it in mind when it comes to uh, the development of uh, Kenny Pickett in Pittsburgh. And yesterday was an historic day as the NFL owners unanimously approved the record $4.65 billion sale of my Denver Broncos to Walmart Air Rob Walton and his son-in-law, Greg Penner, the latter of whom will run the day-to-day operations of the team. And the ownership group that they put together includes two historic firsts in Starbucks Vice Chair Melody Hobson and former US Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice, who are now the first ever women of color to own a significant share of an NFL franchise. And at today's press conference, Greg Penner said he is all about empowering people and will not make any football decisions. And he also added that GM George Payton and the team president who he will hire in the near future Will report directly to him. What are your thoughts on this new Broncos ownership group? Well, I mean, number one, um, great four
1: point five six five billion or whatever. I I think they got a deal. I really expected it to go around five billion. They're you know not switching the color scheme to the Walmart color scheme. So big win right there for Broncos <laughs> nation, I think. Um, Broncos no, country, how? <laughs> Broncos country, I apologize. Yes. So, uh, but seriously here, um, you know, stable ownership group has been desperately needed. I think in the NFL, we see so many times that when there isn't a stable ownership group, the t- it's just. A trickle down effect all the way. And, you know, really for the Broncos, you could see that the past couple of years uh, with the transitioning of the ownership. You've really got to have somebody at the top who is motivated in the team's success. You don't need a Jerry Jones who's going to appoint himself general manager, put his kids in positions, and, uh, you know, run the draft room there, uh, stand there in the combine with his own stopwatch. You don't need any of that. But you need that strong commitment uh, to the franchise, to the area uh, and a desire to win games. And I think they're in a great spot there. I love the the historic, um, you know, bringing on this ownership group, the diversity of it, Just a fantastic thing, so long overdue for the NFL. Just needs that perspective in that ownership room and I think that's that's great to see for the league, I think people are going to be excited and I think it's a huge win uh, for Denver.
0: Well, it may be unfair to uh, expect the Walton Penner ownership group to be as legendary as Hall of Fame owner Pat Bowen, who was a unicorn of unicorns when it uh, came to owners in any sport. Uh, as long as Greg Penner does what he said he's going to do today. I think uh, this new ownership group is gonna be just fine.
1: Completely agree, David, completely agree. Um, They've got a a big legacy to um, live up to, shoes to fill there, but it sounds like they're on the right track and you can't ask for anything else out of a new ownership group. Some much needed stability um, should be a big boon to the city and the team going forward.
0: Yes, and now it's time to play our favorite game, Truth or Exaggeration. You know how this game works. I make a statement, and you determine whether I'm telling the truth or whether I'm exaggerating, and explain why. And we remain in Denver, where barring injury or unexpected bad play, Patrick Sertan will be seen by many as a top three corner by season's end.
1: Yeah, oh, def- definitely a truth. I mean, we we were so excited about him last year coming out of the draft, and I think he even exceeded my expectations. Uh, he was the top five cornerback as a rookie. I just love this guy so much. He's a pleasure to watch. He's a student of the game. He's got the bloodlines. He checks every single box you could want. Um Definitely, I have him as a top three cornerback right now. Truth, truth, truth.
0: And speaking of cornerbacks, if there is one weakness, the Buffalo Bills, Sam, and the Buffalo Bills are the Super Bowl betting favorites right now for a reason, uh, it is that cornerback position. So truth or exaggeration, the Bills' lack of proven cornerback depth behind Tredavious White, who's coming off a torn ACL, will be the thing that prevents them from winning Super Bowl 57, let alone making it to the big game.
1: Yeah, I you know I I really want to go with the truth and I I know they're excited in Buffalo when they're thinking, you know, bringing in Vaughn Miller is going to have a huge impact on what was their biggest weakness last year, which was that outside pass rush. Um and take that pressure off the cornerbacks. Uh you're putting a lot of pressure on an older player and you're still looking for um you know some kind of impact from your top, you know, they spent how many top draft picks, you know, 2020, 2021, you've got three picks in the first two rounds of those two years going for that defensive end spot. And you still had to uh, break the bank and and get Von Miller in there um, to address that because it just wasn't having the effect and really held that team back in the playoffs. You know, we saw how much it affected them. Um, you know, playing against Kansas City and other teams there uh, that had that dynamic passing. So, yeah, I'm I'm going to go to a truth. You know, I, I think Buffalo really, you know, I'd love to believe in Kairi Lam, but, you know, I think he's going to need a little time to. Uh, get ready, and and like you said, the rest of that Tre'Davious White. You hope he's gonna come back ready to play. Um, you know, after the injury, uh, when once he's off the pup list and back on the team. But but yeah, that depth is is so scary there at that cornerback position. Uh, you know, when you start thinking about, are we gonna go in with you know Dane Jackson starting, or uh, you know one of the many rookies that are there at the cornerback position be, behind Elamas well so uh you know if there's one glaring weakness that that's got to be the truth there um because if that pass rush don't get you teams are going to start picking on them
0: bill belichick says you need both you need a great pass rush and a great secondary in today's nfl where you get rid of the ball so goddamn quick and that's all there is to it and speaking of getting rid of the ball so goddamn quick Let's talk about the guy who has been pegged as the best quarterback in the NFL for these past several years, Patrick Mahomes. So truth or exaggeration, Sky Moore will become Patrick Mahomes' favorite wide receiver to throw to at some point this season. I'm going to have to go truth. Well, you know, it's always gonna be Kelsey. So I gotta say a little
1: bit of an example. Well, I said, you said wide, wide receiver, receiver. not tight end. Right, you got it. You said it. Yep. Wide receiver, not pass catcher. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, uh putting aside the fact that Travis Kelsey is basically a slot wide receiver, I will say uh it's gonna be a truth because again, we're we're in that situation where um, you know, just like Green Bay, who the heck else is he gonna throw the ball to there in Kansas City? Juju. Um, ugh. You know, like, <laughs> I I haven't seen Juju make an impact since Antonio Brown was lining up opposite from him there, taking the pressure off of him. So, you know, MVS, you know, if you couldn't make it in Green Bay, you're going to make it in Kansas City. I mean, one Hall of Fame quarterback wasn't good enough for you. Uh, it's, yeah, I mean, he's going to have, Sky Moore is going to have to grow up on this job in a hurry. I mean, fortunate for the situation is, you know, he's got one of the greatest offensive head coaches of all time in Andy Reid. They amazingly have Eric enemy returning again as offensive coordinator, how somehow he Mind-blowingly to me is not a head coach in the NFL. I just don't understand it. But a huge win for that Kansas City offense to be able to have him back, and uh, certainly will help mitigate the loss of trading away Tyree Hill. So, uh, yeah. So I'm gonna have to say truth because you know. That he's gonna have to feed him, and he's gonna grow up on the job so sky Moore, get ready for the a lot of targets and be ready for the ball coming out at any time from any arm angle uh, don't give up on a play ever
0: <laughs> absolutely and the deep and talented philadelphia eagles will win the nfc east in 2022 truth or exaggeration
1: you know oh, i really want this to be a truth i really really do i i you know i just love the, the the what the eagles have done and how they've added to that depth and rebuilt that defensive line and the playmakers that they have on offense now it just feels like this should be the year And I have that lingering doubt in my mind of, you know, they kind of snuck up on everybody last year and, uh, maybe, you know, uh, this year, you know, how do you react when you have a target, um, on you now? Um, yeah, I mean, AJ Brown is such a huge addition to that offense, but, you know, Jalen hurts when the pressure is on, um, you know, miles Sanders, can you stay healthy and keep that running game? Uh, going strong as well. Ooh, I, I want to say it's a truth, but you know, I, I'm just going to say a little bit of an exaggeration because I still think you know the Cowboys have the the best best quarterback in that division, and and that's going to go a long way. I'm still going to have the the Cowboys as the favorite in the NFC East, so I got to go with a little bit of an exaggeration. But my heart's saying, oh yes, please, I want it to be true.
0: The Chargers. We'll have a top five scoring offense and scoring defense in 2022. Truth or exaggeration?
1: You know, there's absolutely no reason why they shouldn't. But because they're the Los Angeles Chargers, you, you know what? I'm just going to say truth. And I'll say somehow they managed to have a top five offense and a top five defense and miss the playoffs in that insane AFC West anyways because they're going to charger it somehow i don't know how missed field goals blocked punts fumbled kickoffs they're going to find a way to charger it they do it every year i've been saying for i don't know how many years the chargers are better than their record over and over again uh i'm just until i see the evidence in front of me I can't get on that Chargers bandwagon. I just can't do it again this year.
0: Ugh. The Chargers are out of excuses. That's all there is to it. They are out of excuses. Their time is now. And if that scenario comes to pass, Brandon Staley is going to be out of a job. Definitely. Definitely.
1: I mean, uh, no playoffs is, uh, sorry, you're going to have to shake things up and that's going to start at the head coach.
0: Yes. And the New Orleans Saints are a legitimate threat to the Bucs in the NFC South. Truth or exaggeration?
1: You know, I'm going to say it's a truth. I, you know, it's a different team with Jameis Winston, you know, and I thought they were a legitimate threat again last year. They looked like it. And when Winston got hurt, I mean, that just boom, the season went away they're invested in this season. They're not rebuilding. Uh, you know, they kept the continuity with Dennis Allen at head coach. So I really think the saints are all in for this year. I really think they're still very talented on both sides of the football. And, you know, if they can, you know, if they can keep Jameis upright, I think they're a surprise team and, and right there with the box who, you know, may or may not take that step forward. And hey, remember, you know, New Orleans plays Tampa Bay pretty tough. So, you know, if, if we're looking at tiebreakers at the end of the season, they could have that head-to-head matchup there. So, yeah, I I consider New Orleans right there with Tampa Bay in that division and a legitimate threat.
0: Oh, definitely, and uh, we have to consider that the Saints just might have the best defense in the entire NFL right now. An extraordinarily deep pass rush, an extraordinarily deep and talented secondary. And in the middle of that defense, some young, talented linebackers like a Pete Werner and a Demario Davis, the heart and soul of that defense, along with Cameron Jordan. That is a unit to be feared, and they will continue to give Tom Brady fits. And going out of the desert, where 2022 will be a season in reverse for the Cardinals, as they'll start slow and finish strong given the six-game suspension of DeAndre Hopkins to open the season. Truth or exaggeration? Nah, it's an
1: exaggeration. They're going to do the same thing third year in a row and this is going to be it for cliff kingsbury i yeah oh, jeez you know the cardinals are the cardinals they're not going to change uh they're they're going to come out and they're gonna you know all of a sudden everybody's going to go well kyla murray's going to be wow there he is best quarterback in the nfl right now and and jj watt's going to get hurt again and you know something's crazy is going to happen over there and they're just going to fade off into that desert heat just like they did the last two years i again i'm sorry but just like the chargers until i see otherwise i i just can't believe that they're going to turn it around this year and somehow turn it on at the end instead of fade away so i've got to see it to believe it exaggeration at this point
0: and last but not least let's go to jacksonville where 2022 will be trevor lawrence's breakout campaign oh
1: total truth total truth 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 on the right track uh have the head coaching situation straightened out there in jacksonville a little bit of stability now a lot less crazy Um, he's going to be in a good place added some pieces here in the off season, then through the draft, um, you know, getting some players healthy, getting some playmakers out there on the field. I think it's, you know, Trevor Lawrence was the number one pick for a reason. You know, as much as he struggled last year, that talent was still there. There was no doubt about it and you know i just look back at it as a a, we're going to look at it as a troy aikman's rookie season a peyton manning's rookie season they took their lumps they had terrible talent around them and then once they got a few pieces who could play they elevate that whole team i see the same thing coming with trevor lawrence
0: as do I. And he is Hal Bentley's gentleman of full press coverage. Follow him on Twitter at HalBent01. Hal, thank you so much once again for joining us. And that's it for today here on Sports Crunch. But we'll be back again next week to recap week one of the NFL preseason. So stay tuned. And in case you missed it, I highly, highly recommend that you check out our special six part Beyond the Chap series with the 2022 Denver Broncos cheerleaders. They contain a lot of powerful life lessons that can help you in whatever you are currently doing. Meanwhile, be sure to follow me on Twitter at DCROM59 and on Instagram and now TikTok at SportsCrunch with DCROM. And remember, that's Crunch with a K. For Hal Bent, this is David Cromwell saying so long, and whatever you do, choose love, choose kindness, choose compassion, choose empathy, choose selflessness, and keep the people of Buffalo, Uvalde, Texas, Highland Park, Illinois, and the brave, inspiring people of Ukraine in your thoughts, prayers, and whatever actions possible. Until next time, Cats Kittens, stay cool.